Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR dashboard company that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there get rid of that manual, time-consuming, and tedious process you call HR reporting. We know that you spend way too much time pulling spreadsheets from a bunch of different HR systems trying to get a data-driven view of your workforce, and you know that it has to be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular systems out there. You're using systems like Bamboo HR, Namely, ADP, Zenefits, 15.5, Lever, Greenhouse, Lattice, you name it. We can pull all that data into one place, helping you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. Please check out EmployeeCycle at EmployeeCycle.com. We would love to give you a demo and explore about how we can make you and your HR team smarter and more data-driven. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Matt Cowell. CEO of QuantHub, and today we're discussing why data is such an important skill in the future of work. Matt, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you having me, and and I, I can't say I've gotten that fanfare before, but that was that was that was a, a nice first time. <laughs> you only get it at the Employee Cycle Podcast. That's right. It's, that's it's the right. only place. And so, Matt, we're going to kick this thing off asking you the question we always ask, which is, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Yeah, it's a great question. So my, my background is in, in product and tech. Um, I've been in software for um, longer than I care to admit and, um, and really got into, into the HR tech space just from, from realizing that there's a relatively significant um, data skill gap. And, and it's something that I like solving big problems and uh, and QuantHub um, really exists to solve the data skill gap, which is you know really a problem that exists across each and every one of us, uh, you know, across the globe. So it's a relatively big problem, and and for us at QuantHub, we we really solve it in two ways. One, we help organizations hire. We have an assessment platform um, helping organizations hire well, specifically in the data science, data engineering ranks, and uh, you know really determining who has the skills to do the job and who doesn't. And then the second part is an upscaling platform around kind of broad data literacy skills. And so we got this start um, after realizing at a consulting company, an analytics consulting company that that we all worked at, that this was hard. <laughs> and there weren't great solutions out there to do either one of these things. And that's where QuantHub um, got its start. So that's how we kind of made our way into the HR tech space. Awesome. And then you're speaking to my heart. We are talking about data literacy. Yeah. And data skills gaps, because that's something that we work on and think about every single day in employee cycle. So I want to start this off with asking you, what does data literacy mean? I mean, it seems like such a ubiquitous term, but from your perspective, what does it mean for not just an HR person, but for any employee or any person to be data literate? Yeah, there are a lot of definitions out there from, from different firms. Um, to me, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit contextual. So, you know, if you're, if you're in a customer support role and 
you know, you're entering in tickets and cases into a CRM system, then a big part of being data literate for you is realizing your role in the data quality life cycle. So you're creating data every single day, all day long, and you have an important role in, in the quality of that data. And so you need to understand aspects of, of data quality, understand use cases for data, how it's going to be used downstream so that, you know, the people that are in the analytics team aren't spending all their time cleaning data. And so it, you know, it, it depends greatly on, on the roles. There are general definitions around reading, writing, um, consuming data, this type of, this type of thing. And those, I don't know that those general definitions are all that helpful. It's, to me, it's, it's better to actually talk about kind of the specifics. You know, if you're, you're a market analyst and so you're doing a lot of research on the, on the trends in the market and trying to identify where the market's going. You need to be good at, at um, some data exploration type skills, understanding um, charts, understanding and, and combining data sources and, and evaluating trends and correlations and things like that. So it depends on, it really depends a lot on the role, um, you know, and which I think is a better way to think about it than just kind of broad definitions, if you will. I think this interview is going to be interesting because I'm going to, have to have you drill down on a lot of terms because in the data world, you can explain a lot of concepts with other concepts that you need to understand as well. <laughs> right, and, right. So, and so you briefly mentioned data quality. Mm-hmm. And so for those out there who have heard this term or may think they know what it is, but still trying to figure out what does it mean specifically for them? What is data quality and why is it so important? Well, so there are a lot of dimensions of data quality, um, actually, but rather than getting into the detail, I mean, one of the, one of the simplest is does the data actually represent, you know, what you, what it, the truth, um, what it's actually supposed to represent. And so going back to the customer support case, you know, an example of that is I'm entering in a, a case into a CRM system and I'm going to specify, you know, let's say the, the cause of, of the issue. And, you know, as a company, let's say it's a software company, they may have 10 or 15 kind of known problems. And as a customer support rep, you're actually supposed to identify which one of those problems um, this particular case is related to. And so data, an element of data quality would be choosing that correctly. You know, that's one, that's one example of, of data quality. And so that would be accuracy. Um, you know, there's also sort of time, a timeliness aspect, you know, in, in that, you know, as you're actually, um, looking at data, is that data relevant um, from the from a time perspective of when that actually occurred? And so you're going to pull trends. Um, you're going to pull trends over time, and you know you're going to you need the time element of that data to be accurate. And so those are those are a couple examples of of data quality. Um, and we all sort of most of us create data every day. Salespeople create data when they're they're logging conversations with with customer prospects, finance people create data every day. They're logging journal entries to represent revenue. You know, so product managers um, create data every day when they're, um, they're measuring release cycles and, and they're working with the team to estimate, you know, how long it's going to take to do something or the cost of doing something. So they're creating data. And so the accuracy of that data greatly impacts your ability to then use it for analysis. I don't know if that that helps. I mean, it's there are a lot of different dimensions of it, but I think accuracy is one of the most important. No, that was super helpful, and I think it gives us some it gives us enough context for us to be able to have this conversation for everybody to be able to truly gain value from it. And so, when it comes to the data journey, 
is data literacy the first step or is data literacy across the entire journey and you have different levels of data literacy? Yeah, it's so for, for us, um, what, the way that we think about it is, is we think about it in terms of personas and, and so rather than roles. And so a role might be, you know, software engineer, finance analyst, marketing analyst, data, data engineer, you know, these types of roles. For us, we think about it in terms of personas because since we all interact with data, it's not as much what role we're in. It's, it's sort of, you know, how do we interact with data? So we think of data literacy as a spectrum. And the first level is, is all of us are data citizens. And so recognizing and treating data as an asset that back to that data quality aspect, understanding the different use cases for data. Um, so, you know, what's, how do you, how might an organization use data in HR? Um, analyzing, um, recruiting, you know, where, where are you finding your best source of sources of candidates, you know, this type of thing. And so, um, data citizen is where it all starts and we're all data citizens. And then beyond that, you have other personas around data storytelling, um, which is, you know, visualizations, understanding how to craft a, a sort of narrative arc around a, around insights. Um, and then data explorer, you know, people that are starting to do some analysis on, on data and, and presenting insights and, and sort of goes up and more technical from there all the way through to your sort of data science and data engineering type, type personas. And so we consider data literacy as a journey across the entire spectrum of data. And it starts with data citizens. In your experience, where are most professionals on that spectrum? And with that, where have you found most HR leaders to be on that spectrum? So most professionals, um, let's maybe outside of the analytics professionals, you know, most professionals, I'd say the majority of them are in the data citizen in that persona, and that's kind of where they live. And so, you know, you go back to customer support people, you look at sales, sales professionals, marketing professionals, a lot of them are in that data citizen level. And that's, and that's okay. That's, that's probably where they're, where they belong. The issue is that they're not as proficient in even that data citizen level as they need to be. Um, but you start getting to people that tend to present, you know, and, 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 you know, host podcasts like this one we're on here or, or make presentations to audiences and uh, try to persuade them, whether sales, marketing, product roles, those people certainly are in the data story, storyteller realm. And, and there are quite a few people that are, typically doing some kind of analysis on data, data exploration, but just by the numbers, um, the largest percentage is going to be in the data citizen ranks. And what are the biggest gaps for the professionals in the data citizen tier? Well, it, it, that's a good question. The A lot of people, when they think about data skill gaps, they immediately go to visualization, uh, meaning they immediately go to does an under does an individual understand charts and the different China types of charts that they should choose for different circumstances and reading and interpreting charts? And so I think most people would answer the question by saying data visualization is a, is one of the biggest areas. Just reading and interpreting um, data visualizations. I my personal opinion on this one is it's in data quality and not realizing each individual's role in the data quality. Um, life cycle. And so it goes back to the examples we talked about earlier. And there are stats out there that say data scientists, um, you know, so these much, much more advanced analytics roles where they should be creating insights and predictive models, they spend upwards of 80% of their time just cleaning data. And that data comes oftentimes from people that are in the data citizen story, that, that um, persona, just not realizing 
their role in that that data quality lifecycle. So instead of actually filling out values when they're creating data, they'll just put default values where you know there's just no insight to be gained. And so I don't necessarily have a percent number of of you know skill deficiencies, uh, but one of the most impactful ones I would say is understanding data quality and and how data is going to be used downstream. I can't speak for all roles, but for some, not all HR leaders, when we're doing demos or we're talking to them about using our product, one of the reasons why they haven't tried to move across the data spectrum or even start at any part of the data journey is because of their intimidation of the data. They're scared to use it. It's a whole new skill. It feels like something that is something that a computer science person should do. <laughs> we know we hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't take stats classes. Right, right. I didn't get into HR to deal with pivot tables. I mean, yeah, I want to use data, but this just seems messy. It's a lot. It's a whole new skill. If you're hearing that, I'm curious to know what other things or what other reasons do you believe are keeping people from being as data literate as possible? No, I definitely, I definitely hear that. There's actually an interesting study from Accenture that suggests the average employee loses over 40 hours of, of work, like sick time and, and procrastination time due to their frustration with data and intimidation by, uh, from data <laughs> over 40 hours a year, wow. just an wow. incredible stat, um, due to just intimidation and frustration. So that's, I mean, that's definitely real. You know what? So in terms of, so I think that's a real stat and that's what you're describing is real within HR and, um, in particular, HR has so much data at their fingertips, but doesn't necessarily have the skill as a general statement um, to use it. And, and so, you know, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be an analytics professional to start getting value from data. So let, let's take a, let's take a use case in HR. Let's say you're measuring, you know, the time to fill positions. And, and so you, you see the time to fill a position is, you know, call it 45 days. And so, that's that's a data point. You're already measuring. You don't have to have a pivot table or an analytics professional to tell you that it took you 45 days to fill that position. And so that's not telling you a lot, though. I mean, and maybe your goal was was 40 days. And and so it's taken you too long. And so now we're going to let's let's dig in a little bit more without pivot tables or anything that's intimidating. And let's try to figure out why that was. And so how many candidates did we have at the top of the funnel? So how many candidates did we source? That's a, that's a data point. Where did we find the most candidates? You know, was it from particular colleges if this was an entry-level role? Or was it from some, some sort of outbound campaign you ran to try to intrigue people into the, into the role? Um, what region of the, you know, if it's a U.S.-based position and maybe it's your remote, you're open to remote work, where did you get the most candidates? These are data points that start giving you insights into what's actually going on within that 45 days. You know, another one is, is you know, how long did each candidate sit in the process? That's a data point. And so let's say a candidate came in and interviewed or came in and applied and, you know, what? how long did it take before they were done with the process, whether they got an offer or not? And so that's a data point. But you know, why was it that it took that long? Was there a particular hiring manager that took a long time to give feedback back to the, um, back to the HR, um, to the, the talent acquisition um, specialist, the recruiter? And so those are data points that it doesn't take a lot of 
it takes a little bit of inquisitiveness and, and an ability to just simply pull that data maybe into a spreadsheet. And now you're just trying to figure out what's going on. You're looking for insights. And that takes you from back to the terminology thing. Descriptive analytics is where you're measuring what happened. And, and that's, that's interesting and in that that's typically what reporting is. If you start getting into diagnostic analytics, that's where you're determining why did that happen. And, and that's the key to unlocking value. And, and it doesn't require a super amount of technical information. It requires you asking some questions and then just looking at different data points to figure out those answers. When it comes to figuring out how dangerous you need to be with data, what advice would you give? You know, when I'm having conversations with different HR leaders, a lot of them are trying to figure out how much of this do they want to figure out on their own versus how much of this do they want to try to get an internal analytics person and or potentially hire an HR person who will focus on data that might have some data chops. And so when you when you hear people talk about their their journey around data and also discuss where they want to be on this journey and how strong and data literate they want to become. What advice would you give there so that people can have some sense of, of goal that they want to reach should reach without it being too much if they don't absolutely need to take it that far? Because some people think that they need to be data scientists in order to do this. Right. So, right. so, so what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think that's not accurate. I, I think that each and every person, um, quite honestly, should be able to to look at data and and make a determination as to what's going on in their particular area. And that doesn't require um, a data scientist. It doesn't even require a data analyst or a data prof, quote unquote professional. And so, back to the example of figuring out, you know, how long did it take to make this hire? And then how long did candidates sit in each stage of the hiring process? To me, each and every one of us needs to be able to do that type of activity. And it's just because data is now so pervasive across the entire organization. It can't be that we only have analytics professionals doing that type of analysis. Because, you know, really an HR professional, if you're in talent acquisition or, you know, as an example, you're trying to figure out you know, for the, maybe the next day, where do I go and source candidates today? Or how do I move this process along faster? You don't have time to have one person on the HR team pulling all those metrics and doing all of that analysis. It, it's each and every one of us that have to be a part of that. And so the way to get there, it's, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's a simple decision. You have to start upskilling the entire organization in data literacy. I just, that's just, obviously I'm a little biased in that that's what we do, but that's the only way to get there because each and every one of us interacts with data every day. And so we have to start building those capabilities. If you think back to, you know, let's say the nineties, the 1990s, a lot of us didn't know how to use computers. So, we didn't just hire a person to use a computer and then the rest of us stayed off of computers. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all had to learn how to use computers. And this is not much different than that. It's becoming sort of a table stakes type of skill where we all have to learn how to do this. And, and it's not, you know, we're 2021. It's not quite to that extent yet. Like, like the um, computers entering into the workforce and becoming just kind of an everyday reality, but that's where this is headed. And, um, you know, there's so much growth in data and we all have to have at, at least some of this skill.
last question for anyone for any role, any profession who's still fighting the use of data and saying, you know what? I hear big data, all this data, predictive <laughs> analytics, right, right. all this stuff. It's just not for me. It's, I, I don't really see the importance of it. I don't have time for this. What do you have to say to them? I'd say you just got to get started. You're Everybody's thinking about it in far, far too technical of terms. And, and so just ask yourself simple questions. Can I, can I at least measure, you know, if, if, if you're in HR and you're in L and D, can I measure the adoption of whatever the learning solution that I'm most really responsible for? Do I know how many people are using that learning solution in a month? It's a, it's a simple question. And that's not, has nothing to do with big data, data science, all this kind of stuff. It's just a simple, in this case, like I said, a descriptive analytic. How many people, what percent of people are using this solution? So that's the very first question to ask, an example of one. And that doesn't take, that's not a big decision to ask that question and answer it. And then that's just going to lead you to more questions. Well, why is that? You know, let's say a typical L&D solution might be 30% of people are using it. Well, why is that? Do they not have time? Is it is it too long? It's a training program that takes 40 hours and people on average have 10 to, 10 to 15 uh, minute attention spans. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, it's just, you got to start asking questions. And it's, so it's not about, oh my God, I need to go train myself on data, data science. It's nothing like that. It's just starting to ask questions of data. And if you can't answer those questions and you don't yet have the skills to answer those questions, then get started. It's, it's, it takes, you know, it, it, there's so many great articles out there, so many great resources that are just freely available and, and using those to just start understanding what it means to analyze data is a great place to start. And that's not intimidating data science, data engineering, big data, all these terms that I agree, that's intimidating. It's not intimidating to go pull a simple metric on, you know, how many people are using our L and D solution? You know, that's, that's pretty straightforward. And, and it just kind of, it grows from there and, and your curiosity will help it grow from there. Great answer and great interview, Matt. Thanks so much for being on our show and discussing the importance of upskilling, not just people who are purely focused on data and analytics, but upskilling everyone in the organization around data literacy because it's so important. So thanks so much for being such an awesome guest. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. Of course. So where can people find you in QuantHub online? Uh, yeah, we're at quanthub.com. And um, if you're interested in, in just actually taking part of this journey as an individual, um, you can go to upskill.quanhub.com and you can just sign up for a free account and just start um, start on your data literacy journey as an individual. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that info in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Matt and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And also let us know what you learned about data or data literacy, or if you have any questions. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, and now you're hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome and HR leaders out there, Please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.